with exploring unexplained phenomena. How are you? How's your week been? What a gorgeous day here in Lincoln, Nebraska. With me is my buddy and and, uh, co-host and producer, Jim Shorty. Jim, I wanted to ask you about yesterday's wild weather in Lincoln. Now, we didn't have storms and stuff like that, but Ken Dewey pointed out, guess what our temperature range was yesterday? We had a low of 31 degrees and a high of 81. Mm -hmm. 50 degrees in that swing. That's not all that uncommon this time of year. I don't know. I... To me, that's just, that's wild stuff. 50 degrees. I mean, that's that's something like you might experience out in the mountains when it drops down below freezing and gets up, you know, in the 70s. 50 degrees. No wonder we're such a hearty people, pounding my chest and smiling. Well, we, we have hills here. They're not exactly mountains, but, uh, you know, the Bohemian Alps. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to start off with Charlene with pet talk from the Capital Humane Society. Then comes Rosemary Ellen Guiley, In the Dark with Rosemary. And she's going to update us on a lot of paranormal activities. Our main guest is in studio, Dr. Jan Lindgren. And we're doing a special show on dream interpretation. We'll be taking your phone calls, those of you folks that have been dreaming out there, and uh, we will talk about those dreams and help you understand the guidance that comes through. I've had a couple of really interesting dreams this week. Maybe you've been dreaming about being on the radio. Well, here's your chance. Yeah, there we yeah. go. So, Dr. Jan Lindgren, and we'll take your phone calls for her, starting at uh, about 40 minutes after, which is uh, 1040 Central Time at 402-474-5086 and select one for the Air Studio. Don't worry, we're going to get that number out again here, okay? Joining us now from someplace out there is Charlene from the Capital Humane Society. Charlene, good morning to you. Good morning to you. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So, uh, Liam was a dog that was for adoption at the Capital Humane Society, and I think he was showcased on a Facebook page post... Uh-huh. And that night I went to look at dogs for adoption, and he was not listed. <laughs> he got adopted pretty fast. I got to know him, and he was just a lovely dog, very smart and affectionate, and he was adopted quickly. We love that. Yes. We, we just absolutely love that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about a bunch of cats for adoption, then we're going to talk about dogs for adoption. So if you've been kind of thinking about maybe a pet for the home, listen up because we're going to have some great pets for you. I've got the cats and kittens page open at capitalhumanesociety.org. And Charlene, who do you want to start with? We're going to start with Carl and Cassie. <laughs> and they are both three years old. Jim, look Carl's at this picture. Yeah, my, yeah. My eyes went Carl straight to that Carl is a neutered shot. male, yeah. and Cassie is a spayed female. They both have the long, pretty fur. Uh, they were surrendered together and get along great and are so cute. So we are hoping they'll find a great home together. Um, their picture is just, it, it captures their personality because they are pretty shy, but then they feel more comfortable when they're together. 
Hey, a great picture. They're uh, in a cat enclosure, uh, an oval carpeted thing, and they're inside kind of peering out at the person taking the picture. All cuddled up together. So Carl and Cassie, three great cats. We've said for a long time, two cats are better than one. So Carl and Cassie. And who else? Next up is Jacinda. And she's a pretty young cat, about a year old, white with black and bright eyes. Arrived at the Humane Society as a lost pet. She's a little bit shy. She's often hiding back in her little cubby, but she'll come out and say hi. And if you're looking for a sweet, uh, adorable friend, then ask about Jacinda. Okay, if you want a picture of the, the coloring on this cat, think of a gateway computer box. <laughs> uh, beautiful white and black patches. I love her eyes. Yeah. Jacinda, one years old, one year old, and she waits for you. She could be that great cat. Do we have a, another cat? We do. It's okay. Tigger. If you're a fan of orange tabby cats, you'll want to ask about Tigger. He's about a year old, a feisty fellow looking for a home um, where he will be adored. He must meet all children to make sure it's a good match, and he is going to be a lot of fun for the right family. Let's see Tigger, that was a Woody the Pooh character. Uh huh. Yeah. That's one of your favorite. The wonderful thing about it, it, Tiggers or Tiggers are wonderful things. Yeah, there, there you go for the Pooh family. <laughs> That's great, Charlie. <laughs> Perfect cat for you. Yep, another Winnie the Pooh fan. Tigger, <laughs> uh, great picture, quizzically looking at the camera. Hmm, Tigger says. What kind of trouble can I get into? What kind of a day am I going to have today? Hmm. <laughs> the pictures are up for all these cats, Carl and Cassie, Jacinda and Tigger, at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And better yet, go out and see them today. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center will be open today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. And it's time for Dogs for Adoption. Who's the first dog? We're going to do Bear. And Bear is nine months old, a blue healer, and he's super duper shy. So he needs somebody who's patient and experienced, um, who can continue to work with him. Uh, he was even, like, scared to walk on a leash when we first get, got him. Mm -hmm. So he um, is making great progress but has uh, ways to go and needs that special person who's going to invest the time in this beautiful dog to bring out the best in him. Okay, somebody that has lots of love to give, he would be a great recipient. Apparently he spent a lot of time outside and didn't receive lots of socialization. So he would love to learn all that from you. You could uh, help him learn to receive and give love. What a lifelong companion. When you look at his picture, too, he is excited. <laughs> He's looking at the camera saying, now? now? Should I smile now? Now? Yeah, a, a beautiful dog. I'm sure he'd get lots of comments out on those daily walks with you. Oh, blue healers, yep. Okay, Bear, he's a great-looking dog, and he's followed by... Next up is Buddy, and Buddy's a very happy dog, a yellow lab mix, about eight years old. Um, he was adopted but returned because uh, his family moved, and he is a very uh, fun-loving guy, will need plenty of exercise to stay happy and fit. 
Um, he may be too much for young kids because he's just lot, lots of dog. <laughs> he's 83 pounds, so he's a big boy. Um, when he was introduced to another dog, he was friendly. So if you like really energetic friends, you'll want to ask about Buddy. Hey, Buddy, show us your tongue. <laughs> okay, we've got Bear, Buddy, and then there's... Next up is Pugsley. <laughs> and, uh, Pugsley is an Akita mix. So we are looking for somebody who really knows that breed. He's about three years old, a neutered male, very handsome, uh, can do great with a, an experienced owner, again, familiar with the breed that can work with him. Um, we do have great handouts available. He is a little bit fearful, a little bit shy, so he needs someone who, um, again, knows how to, to work through those issues and bring out the best in this gorgeous dog. Uh, he should go to a home without any kids. And you can find out more by looking at Pugsley at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Great-looking dog, great facial features, almost human in that, that face of his, that presentation. And again, Pugsley, show us your tongue. Uh-huh. <laughs> Take a look at Pugsley in person, and you can go out today or tomorrow. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. When the good folks come out to see the dogs and cats for adoption, what can they bring you for donated items? We always appreciate donations, so it's wonderful when people do that. Uh, we do have a long wish list on our website along with an Amazon wish list on our website. But we can really use canned cat and dog food right now and kitten food as well. Um, so if you want to bring a couple cans of pet food along, that would be helpful. Great. Okay, Shirley, and have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you for everything you do. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborn, and main guest coming up uh, in about 20 minutes is Dr. Jan Lindgren with some dream interpretation, comments about dreams and guidance received. Um, I'd like to officially thank Ms. Anonymous number two. Now, we had a donation earlier from Ms. Anonymous number one of a prepaid card from the Zaptel phone card company. That's funny that they have the same name. Mrs. Yeah, Ms. Anonymous number two came through with two, two. Zaptel yes. brand prepaid phone cards. Not to be outdone. <laughs> and so, you know, speaking of being outdone, it's gals three, guys zero. Wow. So we'd love to keep getting some prepaid phone cards. We call people all over the world, uh, and we use those cards every week. So it's a way that you can donate to the program. Your generosity means that thousands of people can hear the guests. So thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you to the anonymous sisters. And speaking about uh, calling guests and doing long distance all over the world, we've reached our next segment guest, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Uh, Rosemary is a globetrotter. I went to her website last night and looked at some of the upcoming activities, and she is all over the place. Uh, today, we're catching her at home. Rosemary, how is home doing today? 
Well, I'm, I'm winding up my uh, winter season uh, here, Scott, uh, where I've really focused on the writing uh, during the colder months. You know, I don't like to travel unless it's to someplace warm. And this winter has been very intense for me with writing and editing. Visionary Living Publishing is expanding, and so I've uh, taken on a lot of projects. And um, now with uh, May at hand, uh, it's event season. And so from May to November, I'm going to be out on the road quite a bit in addition to doing all the writing and editing. So uh, I guess I'm sort of peeking out from under my rock and uh, looking at the spring weather that's finally arrived in Connecticut. Uh, and, uh, you know, getting ready to get out there. Uh, is, is Connecticut one of those states uh, that, like Vermont, has uh, 10 months of winter and two months of bad sledding? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're not as bad as Vermont, that's for sure. But this winter was, it started early and it's lasted a long time with cold weather and the snow. We had snow into mid-April. It was crazy. Uh, and I've been on the East Coast now since 1980, and I've seen other winters like this, but it's unusual. Mm-hmm. And I think we, all of us uh, out here, got kind of weary uh, of it. So I'm, I'm ready. My first event in May is going to be the Pine Bush UF, Annual UFO Conference. Looking forward to that. I've never spoken at it. I've been to mm-hmm. Pine Bush. Uh, it's a, has a, a long history as a UFO hotspot. And the conference there always has a good draw. My good friend and colleague Peter Robbins is going to be there, Linda Zimmerman, uh, some other folks that I know from ufology. And so I'm gearing up for that. I'm going to have my new UFO book, a brand-new Bigfoot book, and uh, some other offerings as well. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley just publicly announced, she's been at this for a while, her publishing company, uh, Visionary Living Publishing, and it's not enough that Rosemary has written 60-plus books? Well, I say as more than 65. Uh, I think I'm up to 67 or 68 now. Just short of 70 books, and now she's also publishing. My goodness, Rosemary, you are one busy individual. Do, do you ever sleep? Do you? <laughs> I, I probably have a doppelganger that's out, you know, working for me while I'm sleeping. Um, it's uh, People often ask me that, how I can be so prolific and produce so much. And my answer always is, I don't know and I don't want to know. Because whatever <laughs> magic is going on, I don't want to upset the apple cart. Well, at some point, you can probably write a book uh, <clears throat> on how you do that, which will be helpful to people that want to learn how to focus and concentrate and stay task-orientated and set goals and achieve those. And you are a person that has the admiration of so many of us for all your accomplishments. You mentioned Pine Bush. Uh, I talked to and had on the show Ellen Crystal before she passed. And she talked a lot about Pine Bush and and some of the UFO events there. Uh, Between the last time you and I talked, and today, the legendary radio show uh, host, Art Bell, passed. Uh, any comments about Art? Uh, well, he he certainly was a trailblazer uh, who also followed in, in the footsteps of another trailblazer, Long John Nebel. And there was a I name I hadn't heard for a while. Wow. I know. Well, I'm uh, compiling um, another uh, Fate Presents 
a book on UFOs, and it's going to feature uh, a profile of Long John Nebel that Timothy Green Beckley did some years ago for Fate magazine. And, of course, I was aware of Long John. I was living out on the West Coast when he was in his prime, and so I never really heard his show uh, except recording clips, you know, after the fact. But uh, he's really the one who paved the way for then someone like Art Bell to come along and take it to another level. And uh, also, I will be fee- uh, Fate Magazine profiled Art Bell, too, and uh, I will be um, public- republishing uh, that material as well. It's an interesting um, sort of peek into the life of Art Bell. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Georgia Nori, Art's successor, um, has expanded coast-to-coast quite a bit. So uh, I would say these three figures have uh, really put, I would say, the paranormal, and by the paranormal I mean cryptids, ufology, the mystical experiences, all of our unexplained phenomena and and encounters, um, they've... They established, um, via the powerful medium of radio, um, a way to collectively participate uh, in the phenomena via the experts and eyewitnesses who have appeared on the airwaves. And one of the things that people always loved about Art Bell was that, um, you know, he, was, he, he, he always maintained that he was very skeptical he called a spade a spade, uh, you know, like Long John Nebel, if he thought you were boring uh, or you were just too far out there, he he would let you know. And um, it, it always made for lively listening. Uh, and uh, what a legacy, you know. We, we have a lot to be thankful for with the, um, the work that Art Bell did. There was a legendary broadcast where he was talking by phone to a guy in a private plane who was trying to fly into Area 51. And uh, there are clips of that around that uh, still still a famous uh, program that night. Uh, Art Bell was very, very uh, curious, and uh, God bless him and Godspeed on this next leg of his, uh, his adventure. Rosemary, what's across your desk in the last 30 days that's got you interested, uh, excited, uh, even irritated? <laughs> well, uh, I seldom get irritated, uh, except when I, I watch some of the paranormal reality shows and I see how much they distort what really happens in the paranormal. Oh, that's why I don't watch those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, um there, there are some shows that I just don't bother with, um, and they, they're usually the groups running around with the equipment and, is, you know, uh, is anybody out there, you know, sort of thing. Um, but the ones that I do follow, because I like to keep up with how the media is, is uh, treating the paranormal and how that shapes um, public opinion about the paranormal, are the recreation shows, uh, where an eyewitness... Uh, tells their story, which is interspersed with uh, a recreation of those events. And there is, without a doubt, uh, in every show, elaboration, embellishment, and even fabrication um, to make the stories interesting. Because um, if if you told just the straight paranormal story, as dramatic as, as it is from the paranormal perspective, uh, it 
still wouldn't have the excitement edge that the entertainment industry needs. So I like to keep up with those shows, but um, I do I do find them kind of irritating because it's a constant diet of we moved into a house and there was a ghost and it started attacking us. And it, it uh, these shows make it sound like um, every haunted place doesn't... Uh, it doesn't have residual uh, presences or benign ghosts. Uh, no, they have violent ghosts and demonic entities mm-hmm. that start scratching people and choking them and um, perpetrating a, a horrible, evil, bad atmosphere. And I, I think it, it, it skews popular opinion. Uh, people who don't know much about hauntings and think that, whoa, if you move into a house and they has a ghost in it, watch out because you're going to be in trouble. And that's really not the case. These cases do exist, but they are not the majority by any means. So that's that's kind of my irritation factor at the moment. And there's no end in sight with the entertainment industry on this stuff. Uh, there's always some new show coming down the pike that um, uh, follows the same formula. And uh, I think it's sad that the paranormal has become literally tainted and polluted that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't happened to that extent in, in some of the other fields. And uh, perhaps one of the reasons why is uh, paranormal phenomena are everywhere. You know, there are so many haunted places. But uh, what I'm working on right now, Scott, is a book on the mysteries of the afterlife. And cool. this is another major area of uh, study and research for me. And uh, I will be speaking at um, a major afterlife conference this September in Scottsdale. I've spoken at it before. It's an excellent event. And uh, there has been a growing interest in afterlife studies. Uh, and it, the, I, I really appreciate the audience for this because it's a combination of lay people you know, everybody loses loved ones and they start wondering mm-hmm. about uh, survival after death and uh, wanting to make sure that loved ones are okay. But uh, the audience also has a huge component of professionals, people who work in alternative healing therapies, grief counselors, doctors, nurses, physicians, uh, energy healers. Uh, it's an amazing audience, mediums uh, and um I think that some important contributions are being made in the field. So that book will be out later this summer, uh, Mysteries of the Afterlife. And um, and then it's on to the next project. I've got um, a full plate. I have a production line, literally, of of titles that I'm generating and that are coming in from other authors. And uh, it's a very, very full schedule for the rest of the year. This is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and her website is visionaryliving.com. You'll also find Rosemary Ellen Guiley, G-U-I-L-E-Y, on Facebook. And at the website, visionaryliving.com, you'll find a jump-off point for her publishing company, Visionary Living Publishing. And I just read an announcement on your Facebook page that you've brought out uh, a, another book uh, that you have, I think, reprinted on psychic protection. Well, actually, it's a brand new book. Um, and, uh, oh, I, book I beg your I, pardon. I'm uh, sorry. Start... <laughs> oh, that's okay, because, uh, yes, I um, some of my backlist books that have gone out of print, I have uh, revised them and updated them and reissued them. 
but this is a brand new book. I've been uh, promising it to people for a long time, and I've uh, been collecting material for a long time, and uh, finally got it all put together. Um, and uh, it deals with uh, the characteristics of psychic attack and psychic vampirism and other malevolent uh, acts against people like curses and uh, dream invasion. Uh, and um, it, it covers toxic people as well as hostile spirits and entities. And actually, if we're going to have a problem with psychic attack, uh, it's more likely to come from toxic people than from the spirit world. So I deal with both. And I talk about the characteristics uh, and the symptoms then that are uh, the problems that are created from psychic attack and vampirism, curses, the evil eye, etc. And uh, how do we deal with that? Uh, how do we uh, strengthen our boundaries so that uh, we're more likely just to deflect that stuff and it's not even going to um, have a harmful impact on us? And if it does, then how do we remedy it? So that's what the book covers. Um, everybody listening has experienced a toxic person in their workplace. Uh, everybody's nodding their heads right now and or safely raising a hand in response to that. So this would be a great book also because the majority of us um, probably won't experience a, a, a psychic attack from, a, from an entity, but we're more prone to experiencing that from somebody that we have to work along with and uh, there's always the you know the trick about uh, reshaping candies in a candy bowl that you keep in a special place and when that person walks into your work environment you offer them some candy which is basically x lax <laughs> oh no <laughs> but there are other ways to deal with a toxic person too so uh, That'll well, interesting you brought that up, Scott, because um, it, over the years uh, I've given a lot of psychic protection workshops, and by far most of the people who come uh, are individuals who are having trouble with toxic relationships in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have toxic relationships with friends and family. Uh, you, can, you can always cut friends loose, but it's harder to cut family loose. But in the workplace, you're literally a prisoner in a physical location for X number of days and hours every week. And if you are forced to be in the presence of someone who, A, doesn't like you, resents you, is jealous of you, or just has so many issues going on that they're spewing out negative energy all the time everywhere, uh, you know, like a fire hose, uh, that's an onslaught that can have an impact on people and it can be very debilitating we all have different boundaries against that and some people are going to be a lot more vulnerable than others but that's one of the biggest problems with toxic people and to a lesser extent uh, you know you run into toxic people out in the public anywhere there's a big crowd people can walk around with very big nasty energy fields um, shopping malls crowded streets concerts stadiums, uh, big giant stores, uh, and this energy can swirl around us all the time. So it's, it's uh, good to know how to buffer yourself against that. So I talk about, uh, first of all, um, uh, preventative measures, and then protective and defensive measures and remedial measures. And what's the complete title, Rosemary? I'm sorry? What's the complete title of this new book on psychic protection? 
the complete title is Guide to Psychic Protection. And uh, in many ways, it functions as a very nice companion to a book that I did earlier called Guide to Psychic Power, which is about developing your psychic and intuitive mm-hmm. ability. And certainly when you do that, uh, you have a, a better sense of what's going on around you energetically. But um, uh, Guide to Psychic Protection is a standalone book as well. Okay, uh, more information on Guide to Psychic Protection, the new book by Rosemary Longuile at her website, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary, what do you enjoy doing, uh, Joe doing for the rest of the weekend? Well, we're both at home this weekend. Uh, Joe is working on call, so he needs to stay um, pretty close to his computer. He has on-call duties with his uh, AT&T job every now and then. And um, I'm uh, busy at the computer working uh, on some projects uh, against some production deadlines. So it's going to be a nose-to-the-grindstone weekend. (laughs) I hope there's a little bit of R&R in there and some great food. Rosemary, thank you very much for all that you do. And uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you, Scott. Likewise, we'll catch up with you next month. Congratulations on the new book. Thank you very much. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Guide to Psychic Protection, the brand new book from her, more at visionaryliving.com. She just has so much energy and get up and go. Wow. 66, 68 books, and now a publishing company. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim, and we'll take our bottom of the hour break. We'll be back with our in studio guest, Dr. Jan Lindgren, and we're talking about dream interpretation. Understanding the guidance in your dreams. Stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more following this. And our live in studio guest, Dr. Jan Lindgren. We're going to be talking about dream interpretation and understanding the guidance that comes from your dreams. Um, I've been busy, and we've gotten more guests signed up. The most recent guest is going to be early June, Dina Merriam. My Journey Through Time, a spiritual memoir of life, death, and rebirth. And I've just got to add a little bit of humor to that. You know, um, Woody Allen said that if there's no such thing as reincarnation, then he paid too much for his carpet. (laughs) Good point. Next week's guest, Rob and Trish McGregor, they return to the show with their new book, Beyond Strange, True Tales of Alien Encounters, and Paranormal Mysteries. Uh, Dr. Jan Lindgren has got a doctorate in educational psychology. She's... Guidance and counseling. Jan, go ahead. What was that? Guidance and counseling. Thank you. Guidance and counseling. Yes. She's in private practice in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, for years she's led groups and helped individuals in understanding their dreams. She's uh, trained as a Jungian um, dream analyst, and she brings many, many years of experience to bear. It's a delight to have uh, Dr. Lindgren back on the program. Good to be here, Scott. It's great to have you here, Jan. Uh, One of the things that we all do is that we all dream. Well, we should. One of the things that, that got me interested, Jan, was a reoccurring dream that started when I was a kid. And the dream was that 
I was someplace in front of a biplane, a two-winged airplane from World War One. It was fairly close. I could see the pilot in the cockpit. The plane was coming right at me like suspended in air. I could hear the engine and it's rather boring. It just sat there suspended in the air. And whenever I was, and I didn't have lots of illness, but whenever I was ill, I could usually count on that dream happening. Uh, this biplane showing up, suspended right there in midair, and just kind of roaring and buzzing. and So that got me interested, you know, why was I experiencing this dream? What did it mean? Uh, what happens when we have reoccurring dreams? And then, of course, as a boy and then a young man, I experienced nightmares. And I wanted to understand more about what nightmares were all about. Um, I met some college professors that said that, oh, dreams are just because you had too much pepperoni pizza before you went to bed. They don't mean anything. They're just the kind of the brain, you know, working off. It's like you turn the car off and the, the cylinders keep pumping for a while there. How unfortunate to be told that. Yeah, I would agree. So then, many, many years ago, um, we were much younger. Um, I met you, and I found out that you were interested in helping people understand the guidance in their dreams. Uh, and you've made a, a really interesting life work of that, haven't you, Jan? Oh, I have. Yes. Would you change anything if you if you could go back? Well, I mean, there are a few times that I did not honor the wisdom in myself, where I went ahead and followed someone else's directive, and when it hmm. didn't feel right, those situations I would change if <clears throat> I could. <laughs> but in terms of my life, it's been quite a journey, and discovering. Um, Discovering dream analysis in my 40s was was monumental. Mm -hmm. I was at Iowa, at Idaho State, working on my doctorate, and another person there working on a doctorate came from Zurich, Switzerland, to Pocatello, Idaho, to get his doctorate. He'd been in Zurich training to be a Jungian analyst. And ended up in Pocatello, Idaho, because of a dream. And um, and I was one of the very few people interested in what he had to say. And so we started working with dream analysis. And I had a dream that he interpreted to mean that I was to go into a training analysis with him. And um, I just feel so fortunate to have had that opportunity. And um, it has made a huge difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And I know there were times that um, decisions I made based upon the information I got from my dreams were definitely the right decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, formerly owned a, a bookstore in Lincoln and in the early heydays of that, uh, when it was really growing and there was no Barnes and Noble to compete with, right. we were doing so well. Uh, we looked at opening 
a store up in Omaha. So we actually went so far as to go up and look at space in the uh, the old market. A friend of mine owned a business up there <clears throat> and had pointed out several spaces. Got inside the buildings, you know, looked around, thought about what it would take to, you know, would we relocate and live in Ashland and so that uh, my wife would go one direction and work the store and I would go the other direction and work the store and we'd have two at once. And so I said, you know, let's take about a week. <clears throat> We've done the financial planning and analysis and let's just ask the question of our dreams and kind of see what we end up with. I'll be darned, but that entire week I had dreams where I was being chased. I would wake up sometimes in a cold sweat, panting or breathing, trying to get away from a menace, if you will. And so it was pretty easy for me to say, you know, if we were trying to reach a decision about this expansion and I'm having these dreams, I don't think we should do it. And I'm glad we didn't. And so that was the right decision for you. Perfectly right, yes. Mm-hmm. Perfectly right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to take part in the show, we've got a lot to cover. But if you want to call in with a dream and ask questions of your dream and have Dr. Lindgren help you understand some of that guidance in that dream, this is a great time to call. We're at 402 474 5086. And you select one for the air studio. That complete number again, don't worry, I'm going to give it a bunch of times. It's 402-474-5086. Select one for the air studio. We'd love to have you join us. And uh, when you call in, first names only, please. Reoccurring dreams. Uh, This week on my Facebook page, in announcing the show, I had several people that commented about having reoccurring dreams. Uh, is that like the greatest hits that we just can't get enough of? They just, you know, we want to keep them around, or what's what's usually going on with a reoccurring dream? Well, I tend to think in terms of reoccurring themes, and so um, a very common reoccurring dream is that. I'm back in school, and I didn't even know I was signed up for a class, and now it's test time. And it it usually means some challenge that um, feels like I'm being tested out there in the world. And so the dream maker says, you're back in school. Mm-hmm. There are lessons to be learned here. Mm-hmm. And the test is in how I handle the situation out there in the world. This is, uh, I'm not the only one who's had that as a recurring dream. Many people have dreamed they're back in school and um, they're facing a challenge. And, and like I said about myself, I didn't even know I'd signed up for the class. Um, so, uh, you know, there are no end, there's no end to the possibilities when we talk about what might show up in a dream. But if the dream is reoccurring, you do want to look at what was going on the first time you had that dream or in that time of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And what is similar today, and is is the challenge similar today? Um, maybe working with a difficult person with a certain personality type, like a controlling person. You might be dreaming um, that you're being suppressed in some way. And it could go way back to childhood with a controlling parent or a controlling teacher or sibling. But then you want to look at where's the parallel. And as we're examining the past in relationship to what our dreams are showing us now, you'll often get a kind of a twinge of, oh, I think maybe that's it. You are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. I can tell from the smile on your face as I say that. And um, it's your something in your system recognizes what you've come up as a valid concept. Um, in fact, maybe the exact right interpretation of a dream symbol. But you know it. You know it in your body. It's visceral. This is uh, one reason we're never going to have research to prove the validity of dream interpretation because it is so individual. You can never do a double-blind study with a dream and various dreamers. The the proof to me uh, that dreams have guidance that is important was actually spending time uh, working with my dreams. That was the initial proof, all that I needed. And my next step was, I said, where is this information coming from? Because it comes, in my perspective, in a really unique way. We have a, uh, an ego that stands at the gate as a guardian and says, that that subject, that person, that experience, that's Scott Colborn. And the ego looks over and says, uh-uh, that is not Scott Colborn, uh-uh. You can come in, you can't come in. So that's the ego at the gate, but the dreams come in through that theater during sleep and they seem to slip around or past that ego. And so that filter that's saying, I agree with that, I don't agree with that, is not there. And I think that's really valuable to have that input. And then where does it come from? To me, I think it's the divine. I think it's God. I think there's a large corporation at work, (laughs) part of the God hierarchy. And I think that that guidance that we get are a whole bunch of vice presidents or lieutenants that are helping us to understand some things as well as um, wanting us to be as joyful as we can be. So reoccurring dreams were maybe not getting the message and so they keep happening. Yes, that is certainly um, an essential way to look at the reoccurring dreams. Um, And some and you talked about nightmares too. Mm-hmm. Um, the nightmares are also a way the unconscious has 
of letting us know something is wrong. That's a big explanation point. It is. And boy, you better pay attention. If if the dreams can't get to you under ordinary circumstances with simpler stories, then the dream maker is going to do something really dramatic to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Last night, um, to... Uh, get a good night's sleep, I took a little bit of melatonin and went to bed um, as a night owl fairly late, 1.30, and I woke up an hour later at 2.30 to use the bathroom. I'd already had a dream, and I was uh, at a park, and there was a whole bunch of people, and it was a bright, sunny day. The park, I think, was Pioneers Park. That seems like the locale that, that matches the dream. And in this mass of people kind of enjoying the sunny day, there was a group of people that were really giving a young woman a hard time, um, haranguing cat calls, doing a lot of verbal bullying of this young woman, probably late teens, early 20s. Um, I don't know uh, from conscious experience or conscious life who she would be. I've never met her before. I can describe her, but the central theme of this haranguing and bullying was that uh, she had a sexual orientation that this group of people didn't like, and they were sort of outing her, catcalling, not being very, very good and, and uh, about this, ex- expressing a lot of uh, displeasure. Suddenly, a female friend of mine from real life, I don't know if I should say her name or not. You don't need to. She says, let's go to bed. And she walks up and she puts her arm around the shoulder of this young woman that was the center of this divisiveness and so I walked on things and, and kind of getting her out of that negative focus. And I remember her saying, uh, because all of a sudden as we're walking away, the young woman's clothes disappeared and she was naked. Oh and my. I remember her saying, um, I'll remember this day for a long time, your gentle touch upon my body. And... I wake up. Okay. (laughs) So that's one of my dreams. I've had people this week, too, in preparation for the show say, I don't know if I want to call in because my dreams are really strange. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a strange dream. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that the stranger the dream, the deeper into your unconscious that you're going. Uh, And do you think that's true, Jan? Well, I haven't ever thought of it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I just, anything can happen in dreams. Mm-hmm. And the point is, it's a story mm-hmm. made to get a point across. And whatever the um, dream maker in us needs to get the point across is fair game. 
I'm Scott Colborn with Jan Lindgren, and we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Jim's here. We're drinking great coffee. And Jan, by the way, if you want some coffee, I've got some really good... Okay? We'll find a cup for you here. Okay. It's uh, some Jack Reacher coffee. I'm a fan of the uh, novelist Lee Child, and uh, his central character, Jack, uh, Jack Reacher... I think the 18th word in the first book was the word coffee. <laughs> so it features prominently, and there's actually a Jack Reacher coffee now that uh, oh my goodness. it's being marketed. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to enjoy here. I wonder if somebody had a dream about that mm-hmm. and decided to act on it. There are probably uh, great websites that you could go to, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, uh, dreams of famous people, uh, remarkable dreams, uh, dreams that that uh, cause changes. Uh, I think all through time we've had people that in the, in the heat of the moment have had a dream that uh, have been profound for them. I know that I have as well. Well, and often inventions, new inventions, had their origin in someone's dream. Now, my father uh, was born on April 26th, um, 1909. So he would have been, what, 109 um, on the 26th, just two days ago, and I was thinking a lot about him. Um, as a young man being trained to be a, a mechanic working on refrigerators and air conditioning, which was all new in his youth, right. he dreamed more than one dream about how to set up a system that would run um, water uh, from the roof of the barn into the ground and he could use the heat from the sun to cool it the building in the summer and heat it in the winter and he lived to see that technology developed mm-hmm. he said in telling me about it, um, he didn't have the money uh, at the time to do anything with what he dreamed, but he knew exactly how to proceed. Mm-hmm. And what we of, we often discover is that with a new development, any number of people may have been having dreams about it. Mm-hmm. And the person who has the time and the money mm-hmm. to develop it ends up with the credit mm-hmm. for it. Um, but the idea was there. It was coming from the unconscious. Some wisdom mm-hmm. in the unconscious that knew the potential. So we have problems that arise uh, throughout the course of humanity and the unconscious responds and sends solutions uh, or ways to to make things better, to cope, to um, to help us. And again, I think that's so important to have dreams as opposed to trying to control that flow of the dreams. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. This is Dr. Jan Lindgren. And uh, one of the phone numbers I've memorized over my life is her office phone number. It's 402-488-1916. And if you'd like to call that, uh, you can leave a message. She'll return your call. Uh, she's uh, in private practice in Lincoln, Nebraska. And every second Sunday 
She hosts a private group that the folks interested in dream interpretations uh, can contact her about. It's called Dream Talk, and I believe it meets, is it 3 o'clock? 3 to 5. 3 to 5 o'clock at a Lincoln location here. So that's every second Sunday for Dream Talk. And if you're interested in dream interpretation, that would be an incredible group. Her phone number again is 402-488-1916. Dr. Lindgren will be here for the balance of the show. You can also check out her Facebook page, Jan Lindgren, L-I-N-G-R-E-N. I'm Scott Colborn, along with Jim and our special guest. We're talking about dreams. Besides smelling the roses and smelling that great coffee or tea in your cup, please join us for conversation with Dr. Jan Lindgren, and we're talking about dreams, dream interpretation, and the guidance that we get through our dreams. Scott, you mentioned that last night you'd only been asleep for about an hour. Yes. And you already had a dream. Well, I would like to say a little bit about what the researchers have discovered with Mm -hmm. dreams. And that is that we tend to sleep in cycles of roughly an hour and a half. So, um, and then the body will settle into a pattern. So if you always go to bed at 12, then at 1.30, you'll be at the end of the first cycle. At three o'clock, you'll be at the end of the second cycle and on through the night. And the intensity of the dreaming increases with each cycle. So you can remember a dream from the first cycle, but you're most likely to remember the dreams from the later cycles. Mm -hmm. And those will be most intense. There's a longer period of REM sleep, which means rapid eye movement which indicates pretty intense dreaming and so if you can wake up naturally without a telephone waking you up or an alarm clock waking you up you'll wake up at the end of a dream cycle and be more likely to remember that recent dream now what I have discovered just experimenting with myself is if I'm awakened in the middle of a dream cycle it takes me hours to really wake up it's like I've been interrupted in the middle of something really important and my body just can't adjust Mm -hmm. sometimes I will wake up and feel like I've been hit by a semi and the only way to get out of that feeling is to go back to sleep and come and then I can wake up Mm -hmm. um, and be ready for the day and feel rested but if I go through the day after being awakened in the middle of one of those dreams it is a real struggle and one reason I want to talk about this right now is because we've recently shifted to daylight savings time so You might think, oh, I'm just getting up an hour earlier, but you're missing out on maybe the tail end of that last period of REM sleep. And that can be pretty critical. It can really um, Mm -hmm. disturb the sleeping patterns and the way you feel when you wake up. 
Uh, when we dream, there's a mechanism in the brain that will paralyze the body so that we don't act out our dreams. The dog kicking its leg. Um, and if you wake up in the middle of the dream before the brain has a chance to make the adjustments so that you are no longer paralyzed, that really starts you off uh, in a challenging position each day. Mm-hmm. So I don't object to daylight savings time specifically. Uh, I just want us to choose one time and stay with it year round. Yeah, I agree. So that people are not being disturbed in the middle of a sleep cycle and and going through the day half dazed. Yeah, I think we did that uh, here in the Midwest originally because of uh, a belief that agriculture would somehow be better served by doing that. But um, I'm not sure if that's still the same argument. I think it's more likely the golfers who are better served. My friend, Jim, go ahead. I, I don't. I don't think the people that came up with that idea. I don't think they know farmers because they get up with the sun and they work until the work is done. Yeah. And so shifting the time one way or the other isn't really going to make any difference. Yeah. Now, in addition to working with the time frame for the day. There is this other possibility. Some people who've researched dreams would say that that 90-minute cycle we go through where dreams become more vivid at, at, a, at a certain point in that cycle, that we actually are going through that 90-minute cycle 24 hours a day. Hmm. So if you drop into deep sleep in the middle of the afternoon, you'll pick up a dream. Mm -hmm. You go to sleep and within an hour you're awake because you've come to the end of a sleep cycle. It could have been you would have had that sleep cycle or that that dream cycle was going to go on whether you were asleep or not. Mm. But when you sleep, then you're more likely to pick up on it. Uh, this is Jan Lindgren, and she's uh, a, a psychotherapist in private practice in Lincoln, Nebraska. She's our special guest. And if you'd like to take part um, and talk about a dream that you've experienced, the number is 402-474-5086. Select one for the air studio. Uh, everybody dreams. Some people profess to uh, never dream, uh, but they do. Uh, and they just haven't felt it was important enough. Well, and there are a few exceptions. Some medications will interfere with the dreaming process. Um, I have a couple of friends who never get to deep sleep, Mm -hmm. and so they are not dreaming because they're not getting to deep Mm -hmm. sleep. That can be very disturbing and has... um, disadvantages health-wise over a lifetime. Um, Drinking too much alcohol will interfere with dream and recall Mm -hmm. and maybe even the dreaming process. It certainly interferes with deep sleep. We need the deep sleep um, for many reasons uh, connected with our health. 
but it's also connected with the dreaming then. Uh, two nights ago, I had a dream where I was in a setting that was a combination of an apartment that I had at 3879 Normal Boulevard. I always like that name. Where do, where do people, you know, where do you live, Scott? On Normal. <laughs> uh, but there were, there were um, sort of a, a dining room area, and it was separated by the living area by some built-in bookcases. That also reminds me of my um, former mother-in-law's uh, living room, dining room. So I'm in this dining room at a table, and there's uh, a number of people there. Uh, there was a woman, uh, two people away on my right, that has entrusted me with some important documents. There was a guy immediately to my right that asks to see one of the documents, and as soon as he gets it, I'm sure that he's not going to give it back. And that's concerning to me. And I wake up. <laughs> so what have you done with that dream? Well, I've, I've thought about uh, the location uh, and who I was, where I was in life, when I lived at 3879 Normal Boulevard. Good. It's no longer been, it's mm -hmm. been torn down and there's a big insurance office there now. I thought also uh, about the setting of my former mother-in-law's uh, house and some of the meals that uh, during my marriage to my first wife that we were involved in there. Uh, the woman that's two people away on my right um, is somebody I recognize currently from Conscious Life. Uh, the guy that's seated right next to me uh, has dark hair, uh, uh, but he's, he's got sort of an indistinct face, if you will, faceless. I can't tell who he is or who he reminds me of. Um, but he's grabbed something, and, and uh, he's uh, got a little bit of uh, an ulterior motive behind his grabbing that document. He's not going to give it back. Do you know what the documents relate to? I can't remember that. Okay. I, I, she, they're, they're her documents that she gave me at this big dinner table, and uh, I'm to be entrusted with them. We've got somebody on the line here with us, and let's bring her up here. Jan, this is Suzanne, and she's calling in with a dream or a question. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Scott. Yes, I, I did have a dream. When I, when I read your, um, your uh, email that said, everybody dream, I dream a lot. So I just said, okay, all right, Spirit, you have something that you want to show me. And I thought this, was, this is going to present some interesting thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know who Lawrence O'Donnell is. He is um, a person that is on MSNBC. He gives, he has a program anyway. I am um, not familiar just, with him. Okay. Um, older, I don't know how old he is, maybe 65 or something like that. Very interesting person, well-spoken. Anyway, he, he was in my dream, but it, it was him, but it wasn't him. Um, 
rather unusual. He had, this is something that was very unusual. I noticed he had red nail polish, long nails and red nail polish. Um, and he presented as very kind and meek. Meek in the sense of, um, like, in, inherit the earth. You know, the meek shall inherit the earth in the Beatitudes, that kind of meekness. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember feeling this strong desire to be around him. Um, he did a lecture. I went to the lecture. He gave me um, things like his wallet, things that he wanted me to hold on to while he did the lecture. Um, and then afterwards, gave it back. Um, he kissed me. It was a and more of a like a gape kind of kiss, you know, not not a romantic kiss. Um, he was getting into a older, large vehicle, not really a VW van, but something that was similar to that. So I do not know where to go with this this dream. So I'm hoping you can help me decipher it. Okay, Suzanne. Um where were you in the dream? What was the location? The location, it, it appeared to be, I'm hard, having a little trouble hearing you. Uh, it appeared to be outside, somewhere outside. I don't know where. In in Nebraska, in Lincoln, uh, some other location? Not aware, not aware of any particular place. Okay, daytime or nighttime? Um, it was it was light, not really terribly sunny. Um, actually, it was light, but it felt more like dusk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first thing that we look at is is the location to kind of get the setting for the dream, and and this location mm-hmm. isn't anything remarkable. Um, sounds more like just ordinary life at the end of a day. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, we can look at the timing in the day as somehow symbolic of your life, as if maybe you are in the dusk of the 24-hour lifespan. Uh, is that a possibility? Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and what do you think of when you think of Lawrence O'Donnell? Um, I think of him as a spiritual person, truthful person, speaks truth to power, actually. Yeah, did, Suzanne, imagine that I'm a Martian. I just got to Earth on the Mars to Earth freighter. I have no idea about any of this. And so uh, I say Lawrence O'Donnell... And question mark. How would you mm-hmm. how would you describe him? Um a very raw boned kind of uh, you know, appearing person. Um just um believable, trustworthy, um, caring, just that kind of a person. Uh, tall, short. Tall. Uh, 
in good condition physically, poor condition? Good condition, good condition. Mm-hmm. Very intelligent. Um, how does 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 he does he wear clothes? What does he What does he look like? <laughs> does he? I'm a, I'm a Martian. Come on now, I'm a Martian. <laughs> Yes, he wears clothes. What I see of him is basically a suit and a tie. Okay, suit and a tie. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, you, uh, do you see him regularly? Uh, when I watch that particular program, mm-hmm. yes. That's probably. one of the things that a program that you seek out then or occasionally watch. Yes. What is it about him that causes you to watch that program? Uh, he speaks so well. He puts things together so well. I love the intelligent <laughs> way he speaks, and yet it's, it's um, filled with rational thinking and reasoning and truth. Okay, now a basic uh, tenet of dream work is that mm-hmm. we need to look at the people in our dreams as a part of ourselves. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, working with this character in the dream, then, we would need to go back and say, uh, Suzanne, where do you see these qualities in yourself? Um, the spiritual development, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking uh-huh. um, truth to power uh-huh. um, yeah. be- believable trustworthy caring um, mm-hmm. looking for those qualities in yourself well that is actually who I feel that I am uh, that is something that I've it's developed in me and I go forward in life seeking that in other people and so when I do find those qualities it, it's incredible I feel like um, you know how there are light workers in the world and, yes. and we have tried to find those light workers so that even on a etheric on a esoteric plane we can gather together so when I find that in others it is helpful and hopeful yes yes mm-hmm. and you also want to think in terms of um, he may have some qualities that you still may develop in yourself or mm-hmm. they can be refined in yourself so yes, I think that the fact that he gave me his wallet and other things that was interesting you know that was the, the trust that was there and I think that is something that I'm um, due to different circumstances in my life I'm seeking to be more trusting um, also the red fingernail polish right. and the longer nails that's interesting so what do you think of when you see red fingernail polish on a man oh on a man I, you know I Except for drag shows, I you know I don't, I haven't seen red fingernail polish on a man. Um, but maybe I'm missing something. I, uh, Jan and Suzanne, I, my sense was that that if Lawrence O'Donnell represents part of Suzanne and who she can aspire to, um, to be like, that she has those qualities. 
further tying that in would be the red nail polish and long nails. Tying it in meaning? To, to uh, Suzanne, that there's a likeness here. Uh, I would guess that at times, Suzanne, you've worn red nail polish and you've had, I, you've had mm-hmm. long nails. I did. So his qualities are, are yeah. further suggested to you it implies an integration yes. of feminine qualities as, along with yes. the masculine. Yes, that's what I noticed, the okay. feminine qualities. Mm-hmm. So I'm a yes. Martian again. What's, what's a wallet? A wallet? Yeah. It's, it's, oh, I have no idea a, what a wallet is. Oh, <laughs> he keeps all of his money and his um, credit cards and driver's license and all those sorts of things in it. <laughs> Identity? Identity. Thank you. Yes. That's great. Scott. Yeah. So yeah. he's going he's gonna to give a public talk and he entrusts you with that. Yes. Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? <laughs> uh, yes. What is the talk about? Um, you know what? I, I don't even recall. I just remember being with all the people, and I don't even, I don't even know what he spoke about. But it just all went together of feeling so great of just being there. You know, just being with everyone. It, it was a great feeling of belonging and closeness and excitement about good. There's something that was good. Well, and then also, um, as we grow and develop through the years, the psychological tasks um, ultimately lead us to integrating qualities that we see in other people and admire in other people, integrating Uh them into our way of being so that we experience the wholeness that comes from uh, developing these different aspects of ourselves, having a uh-huh. balance between the masculine and the feminine, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, living into these qualities that you admire. So as you describe being in that setting, I think of um, the kind of experience of feeling whole and complete. Yes, yes, that's right. And I wonder what the van or the car, the older vehicle. You know what? I speak to my clients often about um, the soul is in my vehicle. My vehicle is with my body and how I have to take care of it. So I wonder if it has any relationship to that. My, well, my vehicle is getting older. <laughs> <laughs> well, often our, the vehicles we're driving in in dreams or writing in can be uh-huh. a representation of our body be- yes because it's oh, the body okay. that gets us around in the world yes the way we make our way through life yeah yeah the oh, direction the vehicle <laughs> i like the fact that that uh, the integration uh that we've talked about the uh, mm-hmm. qualities and characteristics of Lawrence o'donnell that um that that seems to be going pretty well and the potential is there for it to go well because he kisses you 
It wasn't like yeah. you've got this Lawrence O'Donnell character that um, that you would aspire to, and he gives you like a stiff arm or pushes you away or says, <laughs> no, you know, get out of my space. I mean, uh, uh-huh. that was a pretty warm thing, uh, if you will, a, a transmission. Mm-hmm. And implying an acceptance and, and um, acknowledgement, uh-huh. caring. Mm-hmm. 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 We should ask for your words, though. What did the kiss mean to you? Um, it was friendship, acceptance, filio, um, um, unconditional agape love, um, that sort of thing. It wasn't. It wasn't um, erotic or, or romantic. It was a belonging, a sense of oneness. Mm-hmm. So, you're telling us with your words uh, mm-hmm. some of what this dream is about. Yes. A sense of belonging and wholeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go to the break, tell me a little bit more about this car. Well, yes. Or it vehicle. Was, um, it was big. It was kind of like an older van, but it wasn't a VW van or bus or Did something. Did you have an older van? No, I have never had an older van. No, I haven't. Uh-uh. What do you think of when you think of a VW van? Um, I think of, you know, kind of hippie, that sort of thing. So it was not, it did not have that feel to it at all. It was not a, (laughs) you know, that era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it still, it still was one of your descriptors. It was sort of like a VW van, but it really wasn't. No, well, no, I, I, I was just sharing that with you. Mm -hmm. Um, you would know it wasn't that type. Um... Would a, would a van be a vehicle that you would typically look at if you were going to go out and buy a, a vehicle? No. No. So what do you think of when you think of a van? Uh, that it can carry a lot of people. Okay. That it's something that is used to go uh, give the hopeful message. You know, let's all get in here and let's go do this. Well... Uh, I'm going to go back to a bit of theory here. Again, that everybody in the dream is a part of ourselves and Mm -hmm. also that we're made up of many different parts. Mm -hmm. And um, one part wants one thing, another part wants something else. And part Mm -hmm. of the growth process is to bring these different parts of ourselves together. Mm-hmm. So we can be focused and um, and work out of a unified sense of self. So that's mm-hmm. what comes to my mind when you talk about you can carry a lot of people in a van. And mm-hmm. uh, the things you've said earlier. Um, yes. mm-hmm. So you, uh, as your own integration process develops and matures that would mean bringing parts of yourself into a unity that um, means that the energies are working together in harmony with each other and understanding and comprehension and 
and uh, so that you can be goal-oriented and put your energy into completing that goal or pursuing that goal without mm-hmm. some other part saying, oh, I don't really want to do this after all. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay, so, that's good. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you're giving us your associations, again, it's reinforcing the idea that this dream could be calling you to um, settle in and just let this process of integration take place. But if you do it consciously, um, it's more likely to happen um, in a shorter period of time. And you know you're a part of something big as you live into that. Yes. Great dream, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Wonderful. Thank you. Good luck. Thank Thank you, Suzanne, for calling in. Jim, that was a great phone call. Let's get let's get some more. I'm going to take the bottom of the hour break. Uh, There'll be a music track and then our announcements. Perfect time for somebody to call in with another dream. It's 402-474-5086. That's 402-474-5086. and select one for the Air Studio. I'm Scott Colborn. We'll be right back after this. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Next week's guests, Rob and Trish McGregor. Their book, Beyond Strange, True Tales of Alien Encounters and Paranormal Mysteries. Uh, If anybody else wants to call in, you're welcome to. We've got time for one more person before the end of the show. It's 402-474-5086. Select one for the air studio. And that was a really interesting dream that Suzanne shared. Um, Do you find, Jan, in your individual and group dream work that I'll use the term celebrities, recognize people, maybe famous people, do they tend to show up in dreams? Oh, certainly. Not... uh, Not all the time, but mm-hmm. um, on a regular basis, people will report um, being with someone um, prominent and well-known, and maybe someone they're very attracted to, uh, or there may be some surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not unusual um, to dream that you've been visited by the president. Um, a friend of, of a mutual friend of ours who I won't, won't name uh, told me some oh maybe six months ago that uh, President Trump came to her with a problem and w- wanted feedback from her and her group of friends mm-hmm. about how to solve the problem mm-hmm. interesting Jan, let's talk a little bit about this this dream group that you do, Dream Talk. Um, that's every second Sunday. Yes. And uh, it's here in Lincoln, Nebraska. People yes. would call you uh, and chat for a little bit. Um, and what well, I kind of like to know a little bit about somebody yes. before they come into a group. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll give out your office number, 402-488-1916. We'll do that again at the end of the program. 
What takes place in the group? Does everybody show up with a, a dream? Yes. Um, some people maybe don't. Well, they may may not have a current dream. So then I'll have them share a dream from the past. Um, and it's not a large group. Uh, so there's, you know, people wouldn't be overwhelmed by a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people would come because they have a specific dream they want to talk about, and that's really all they want. Mm-hmm. And others come every, every time, every month, because uh, we talk some about theory as well as uh, work on some individual dreams. And, um, and they want that ongoing support. Mm-hmm. So some people have been with the group ever since we started it. Uh, years ago, I did a group that met once a week, and we met in the basement at Antlers, the Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. And we met for about 20 years, and a couple of those people will show up, mm-hmm. too, um, because they really value um, having feedback from others mm-hmm. about dreams. It's it's hard for us to do dream work all alone. Mm-hmm. You need to have someone else say, well, what do you think of when you think of that location? Yeah, or if this were my dream, it makes me think of or feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, or tell me about that person. What else can you think of? So that questioning process mm-hmm. uh, will go deeper if someone else is working with you on it. Uh, so I encourage people to have dream partners. And... Um, at the same time, for some people coming to that meeting once a month is their opportunity to have that kind of experience when there, where there is help, external help, to look at those dream figures. I've been in a dream group of yours, and it's a wonderful experience to have this combined effort of all these uh, wonderful people uh, thinking about and uh, giving feedback on aspects of the dream, and it's a marvelous way. I would like to have more public acceptance, personally, of dream interpretation. Uh, we focus so much on our rational minds and champion our thinking, uh, and I point out an old tenet that if thinking were all it took to solve all of our problems, then they should all be solved by now, <laughs> but thinking doesn't solve all the problems. Uh, Dreams can be premonitory. Dreams can forewarn us of something that's in our immediate near future, Mm -hmm. perhaps in our distant future. Mm -hmm. Uh, A case in point, (laughs) in 2007, when my kids and I were going to take a trip out to uh, Estes Park, the night before we left, my daughter Melissa had a dream, and, and she said over breakfast... She said, Dad, I had a dream about us being in a car accident. Whoa. I'm glad she shared that with you. So we talked a lot. And I think it was the teenage wanting to get to Estes that convinced us to, because I was, I was fully intent about uh, I'm okay with postponing the trip. Uh, but we came to an agreement that we would still take the trip and we'd be especially watchful. Um, I've told the story before, so I won't belabor it, but uh, we ended up blowing, blowing the car engine outside mm. of Fort Collins. I remember when that happened, yes. <laughs> you know, so 
car accident, blowing the car engine, man, there's probably there's a connection for me there. We saw six tornadoes. Um, we had at one time three funnels in sight uh, between the Nebraska line and and uh, Fort Collins. Incredible stormy day. So, well, I'll was, give you an example mm-hmm. of. Um, um, a dream that was predictive um, of something coming. And I would have had this dream um, about seven and a half years ago. Um, And in the dream, I'm hiking um, at Redfish Lake in Idaho with my sister-in-law, who at the time was on the other side. And so Maxine and I are walking this trail. We get to... um, Uh, a place where I turn a corner and I see this beautiful scene in front of me, mountain seats. It is just glorious. I just haven't seen anything like that before in my life. And it's, you know, real life. It's right there in front of me. And suddenly there is a dark shadow that cuts off the lower left-hand corner of the scene. And so it's like a, a diagonal across the picture. Mm-hmm. And it's looming, it's menacing, it's, um, it destroys the view, um, and everything changes. And um, in working with that dream, in waking up from that dream, I knew something was going to happen mm-hmm. that would be... Um, Casting a dark shadow, we'll say, and and then I had some other dreams. At one point, um, I was with the same sister-in-law who was before. This was after she had died, and we're walking in a similar place, and we come to a, a like a lodge in the mountains, and there is a place for everyone in our two families in this lodge. Um, and in a way that's reassuring. Um, but I don't know whether we're talking about in the spiritual dimension or in the physical dimension. Um, and it was a few months later that my son Bruce died. Mm-hmm. And, um, and very suddenly. And I could say I knew something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was going to be the end of my life or some drastic change in my physical being Um, not that losing a child isn't drastic but it wasn't my heart or a stroke it was my son Um, and and once that kind of thing happens that you were being prepared for the dreams change Uh, this is Dr. Jan Lindgren she's in private practice in Lincoln Nebraska uh, her dream group is called Dream Talk that meets every second Sunday of the month at a Lincoln, Nebraska location. Uh, for information on her psychotherapy practice or for the group Dream Talk, uh, you can call her office line. It's 402 488 1916. I need to make sure that people know there is no charge for that meeting. And I want people to. to Pay attention to dreams mm-hmm. and have some help in understanding how to work with them. 
I still think there would be a great uh, uh, PBS TV theme show of having a uh, somebody like yourself, maybe a panel of people, and then having actors act out a dream and then commentary on what that means. Uh, maybe that's a future project for somebody out there. Well, you know, it isn't what you and I think it might mean. It's what information the dreamer provides mm -hmm. with their answers to their associations. The dreamer is the only one who knows what the dream is about. So uh, we could spend many more programs on this, but the significant things in the dream would be the symbols, the metaphors, the associations, and what those all mean to us. And let me say... Um, because when people hear the word symbols, mm -hmm. they may think of um, a circle with uh, designs or something like that, or a trophy. Or No, the people in the dreams are symbols. The animals are a symbol. Objects in the dream. Everything in the dream is a symbol. Mm. And, and it's as if you have a symbol dictionary in your psychic makeup mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out the definition of each of those symbols mm -hmm. in your system and then metaphor the dream itself is a metaphor it's a metaphor for whatever's going on in your life mm -hmm. and can you identify that metaphor and then say oh I know where that fits I know where I've seen that part of myself and I really don't like that part of myself. So I guess I better be more aware and make some changes. And Carl Jung insisted that we live much of our lives unconsciously. And most people will take offense at hearing that because we think we're conscious. However, we may consciously be exhibiting patterns and behaviors that are making life difficult for ourselves without awareness of what we're doing. Like the person who has a tendency to look at everything that happens as a, a judgment of themselves. Jan, thank you very much for taking time to come here. Um, it's always meaningful for me. And ladies and gentlemen, guess what? Just hearing us talk about dreams today, guess what's gonna happen? Uh-huh, sweet dreams tonight, or this afternoon if you're a nap taker. Jan, uh, so you've got the Dream Talk group coming up the second Sunday of May. And that is Mother's Day, but we are meeting. 402-488-1916 for more information. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Scott. Jim, Thank what'd you, you think? Jim. Fascinating. Always such a pleasure to have Jan on the show. Yep. And I'm going to go home and take a nap later. <laughs> and keep your notebook handy so you can write down your dream. Yeah, I could do that. Victor's up next. He's got a special show for you again. And uh, the British Invasion. So lots of great music coming up. Stay tuned next week for Rob and Trish McGregor, Beyond Strange, their brand new book. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Miss Anonymous number two for the donation of two prepaid phone cards. Thanks to Suzanne also for calling in.
Jim, have a great rest of the weekend. You too. And uh, Colleen gives us her best. She says that uh, she hasn't forgotten us. She's really busy. And we send Colleen our very best, too. Thanks again for listening. Sweet dreams, everybody. And I'm Scott Colborn. Until next week, walk in beauty.